This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com. The floor is yours on FUBAR Radio. Two years on, MPs have been unable to agree on a way to implement the UK's withdrawal. As a result, we will now not leave on time with a deal on the 29th of March. This delay is a matter of great personal regret for me. MPs face a crucial Brexit deadline. If they agree to Theresa May's deal by tomorrow night, Britain's exit date will be May the 22nd. If not, the country faces a no-deal exit in two weeks. You have no strategy. You live politically hand-to-mouth. And by Again, agreeing... that's incorrect. Well, look, I'm just saying... Sorry, Emily, I've got to push back on that. That everybody is... Theresa May came in here, picked up this, and... Every parliamentarian has got a different perspective as to what Brexit means. None of us are going to get what we want. All of us have to move forward. And there is a vacancy at the moment. Oh, yes. And I know you've been asked this already, but you know, just, just to double-check, would you, would you want to stand as Prime Minister at this junction? Uh, I won't be throwing my hat at the ring, no. There are candidates out there already, we assume. Is there a candidate at the moment that you feel you're likely to pass? I, I think... The party's lucky. There are a lot of very able people who would make excellent prime ministers. Uh, I have a very high opinion of Boris Johnson, who I supported in the last leadership campaign. I'm sorry that he decided to pull out. Uh, but the competition hasn't yet started, so I think it's sensible to wait until it does. Good morning, Vietnam! Is not a relevant thing to say on your first radio show on Fubai Radio. Hello, I am not... Femi, I mean, I know we sound almost indistinguishable, but we are, in fact, different people. No. In fact, I am Jolyon Rubinstein. You may have heard uh, my podcast on Spotify, We Need to Talk About, or another podcast I did uh, with my good buddy Hayden Prowse, News Roast, or our BBC Three show, The Revolution, will be televised. And I am here today to cover for my good friend Femi, who's running all over the UK, campaigning for change. Campaigning for change, man. It's what needs to happen. Well, welcome to Brexit Day. Yay, Brexit Day. We're all so, so exactly where we've been for the last three years. 1,000 days, guys. 1,000 days. And what has really happened? Well, the country's been divided. Nigel Farage has literally started parties and walks, left them, charged people 50 quid to even go on a walk and then not even been there. Theresa May has seemed less and less competent, which frankly is staggering. David Cameras has probably got his, his trotters up somewhere, as Danny Dyer would say. And we have got a fantastic show for you today. And I would like you to be able to tweet in. So if you want to tweet at Fubar Radio, uh, we're going to try and listen to... Uh, um, uh, you know some of your comments try and get you involved in the show or you can call 0330 that's 0330 so we've got a number of guests uh, on today we're going to have uh, Lord Andrew Adonis sort of Remainer in chief who doesn't actually believe that uh, Brexit is actually possible to implement uh, we've also got uh, Joanna Romero and James Ball who will be joining me later on the show if you've listened to any of my podcasts you'll know that news machine James Ball is a fountain of all knowledge uh, and we're also going to be joined by uh, George Isla. I don't know if you remember him he's a fantastic guy he actually ran for Labour um, a, li- a little while ago and he's, he's going to give us a view from the north of England not this metropolitan elite rubbish that we've got 
But look, before we actually get properly into the show, let's just reflect on the state of the nation right now. Because we're not all right, are we? We've been in a situation where we've been torn apart by from right-wing pillar to left-wing post with the sort of hysterical Daily Mail fodder becoming so normal that we've just kind of accepted it. I don't know about you, but I feel a bit beaten up by the whole process. And frankly, I want to know how you're feeling today, because this is a day that we all expected would come and pass with some kind of apocalyptic outcome. Have the media hyped up no deal so much that actually we're all terrified of it? Is a no Brexit Brexit actually as bad as everyone says? Or do you just want to remain irrespective of the fact that during the biggest democratic exercise in our country's history, we seemed to actually, well, we seem to want the opposite now, don't we? Um, Do we have George on the line now? Okay, so we're going to be joined uh, now by uh, uh, George Islet. George, can uh, can you hear me, mate? Hello there, how are you? I am very well, and how are you? I'm very good, thank you. I, th- I suppose my question is to you, when is uh, the revolution will be televised back on screen? Do we want it back? <laughs> that's, that's so funny. It's weird because I actually told him to say that and then he said it because I, I told him to say it. And uh, say some more stuff. Say some more stuff because the BAFTAs was announced yesterday. I wasn't even part of that. Unbel- <laughs> unbel- I didn't even have a show on telly, but really it's unbelievable. Anything else you want to say about how great our show was? Um, I was a big fan, engaged me in 2015, uh, hashtag bring it back, oh, uh, you know, get, get that on Twitter. Oh, stop it, it, stop it. So listen, you're currently, uh, you're in Hull right now, is that right? I'm indeed, yes. So just speaking for the entire uh, north of England, how are they feeling? <laughs> I suppose the thing is, um, the, the thing about Brexit in Hull is that you haven't really seen a big shift. I still think people want to leave the institution of the European Union, despite how bad the Brexit negotiations have been. Personally, I'm However, shocked. So what, are, you, are you literally telling me that British people, even though something is really bad for them, still want to just do it anyway? Because personally, I'm, I'm shocked by that. I'm sure our listeners are as well. I suppose the reason why people vote for leave, when you do knock on doors here, they voted leave for genuine reasons. I genuinely understand why people are frustrated at the European Union and why they want to give the establishment a bit of a kick. I suppose now is what do we do from here? Because Parliament is currently in absolute deadlock and we can't agree to anything. We can't agree to Mage deal, doesn't have a majority. Can't agree to no deal, that doesn't have a majority. Can't agree to a customs union, that doesn't have a majority. Can't agree to a referendum. Shock horror, it doesn't have a majority. So what we need to do now is we need to find something that is going to break that deadlock. And I feel the only option right now is if all parties go to the country offering their vision of what a Brexit plan would be alongside perhaps a referendum, depending on which party does what, and then put that to the people by a general election, because that's the only way to break the deadlock right now. There's no Personally, personally I'm now. absolutely shocked that someone who's a Labour supporter is telling me that there needs to be a general election. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> absolutely mortified. Do you think it would make a difference if we spiked their drinks with magic mushrooms? Oh, blimey. I don't think that's a good idea at all. I don't think that's going to... What about ketamine? Do you, think, do you think if we actually put some ketamine into the water in the stranger's bar, just, just a little suggestion, maybe just feed it into the independent group first, see what Chuck is like when he's a bit wonky, and then maybe oh, see what Theresa May actually is like when she can just express herself. Do you think Theresa May has actually ever taken any drugs? I, I don't have a clue, really. I don't think that's for... Do you think it would make a difference to her level of empathy if at some point she'd had a huge burst of serotonin and actually had been able to connect to another human being outside that fragile little body of hers? Well, the sun is coming out now. Hopefully that will be... Well, the sun. The sun's come out and it's, they've, they've told them absolutely it's, they're not backing it. But I don't see what Rupert Murdoch's got to do with this, mate, really. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> 
I, I, I think someone's been watching uh, a bit of Ali G in the house recently. <laughs> the I mean, listen, great movie. Great movie. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know if you... I'm not sure you've in Hull. Where, I mean, down, down in London, we've got rid of DVD players, mate. We can't even... We, I don't think that's the only thing that Ali G in the house is actually on. But anyway, I'm being, I'm being very silly, obviously. So you, you stood in a parliamentary election in 2015. Do you think that there's a danger, because politics has become so divisive, that young people are just going to be put off actually taking part in the political process? themselves i i think what's happened in the last couple of months i think since uh since the general election since the parliament i think we've seen actually deadlock right now and politics isn't providing solutions to answers that people need regarding poverty homelessness etc but the thing is if young people are disengaged they don't get involved at all it's only going to make the system a lot worse i think in 2017 we did see an increase of young people participating and it took away Theresa May's majority. And I say, instead of giving up and backing down and being apathetic, you've got to get stuck in because if you get stuck in, you're going to make a big difference. Well, talking, talking, about old, someone, talking about someone, George, who, who hasn't really got stuck in, let's, let's talk about Jeremy Corbyn. So you please. tweeted earlier today and you said, you know, credit to Corbyn for taking away May's majority and opposing uh, their, nay, their now may be a public vote. So the only mm. thing I've got to say is uh, what you're on about. What am I on about? Well, twice in Parliament we've seen on the 30th of January, and I believe well, it was two days ago, Jeremy Corbyn has offered a public vote uh, in Parliament. So on the 30th of January, it's part of Labour's amendment. Unfortunately, right. that was rejected. And then we saw the indicative votes two days ago, Jeremy Corbyn, that the Carl Wilson amendment, which would have put any referendum to a public vote. Now, on a personal opinion, I don't believe in the idea of a second referendum before the first has even been implemented. Regardless. Shock horror. Someone in Labour Shock. does not believe in a second referendum. Personally, no, no, again, no, 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 no. I, I'm mortified and shocked. That's what the Labour Party do. That's what the Labour Party believes. Oh, do it's they? But it's, it's a bit like a quantum Brexit, though, with the Labour Party, isn't it? It's like a quantum position. No. They're both in and out in their own minds, as Jeremy said famously a long time ago. You know, they're seven and a half. He was seven and a half percent in. How do you think you can explain to sort of like Labour members who went to the conference, who actually took part in that debate, who actually saw Keir Starmer stand on stage and commit to a second referendum how mm-hmm. do you think you can explain to them why it was when Jeremy finally went to meet Theresa May that he decided to bring Seamus Milne and actually leave Keir Starmer at the door like a kind of person like kind of a bit like when you're, you're, your parents are watching you go on X Factor and you're sort of standing there wondering if they're going to perform and guess what they didn't and he sort of went out the door at, at once again probably back to the allotment or took a day in lieu and I speak as someone who is obviously massively right wing I'm sure you've seen my body of work I, I'm basically I'm basically <laughs> Uh, right-wing zealot so i'm sure that you will understand this is coming from from, from that kind of place but honestly mate how many i mean look, just speaking honestly aren't you a bit disappointed in the fact that corbyn hasn't been you know more vocal about actually looking to create some solutions he's hardly been a sort of like sterling leader in this scenario has he in politics timing is everything it really really is so the other week the independent group put an amendment to parliament and the people's vote campaign literally said no don't do this. Now is not the day for it. We've got to focus on extension of Article 50, not the public vote. So that was, that was when Sarah Wollaston decided to actually put up uh, uh, an amendment. And I agree with you. I think it was, it was poorly timed, to say the absolute least. And, and Jeremy actually made sure that all his MPs actually abstained from that vote, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because that, even the People's Vote campaign didn't want that amendment tabled. And then on Monday, when we saw the indicative votes tabled to Parliament, was it Monday or Tuesday? It was tabled to Parliament. Jeremy Corbyn himself, and he whipped his own party to do it, 
to back a public vote on any Brexit if Jeremy, deal. If Jeremy was in a sort of torture club, I'm sort of, sort of thinking of a kind of Berlin sort of thing, what do you think he'd be whipping his MPs with? Would it be a sort of latex whip or would it actually be something with a piece of metal attached, do you think? Or is it just be one of his famous cabbages? He's not a man uh, into violence. No, really. he is a man. No, he is a man. Listen, and that's an exclusive, that's first exclusive of the show. Jeremy Corbyn uh, is a man. He's a, he's a human being. He's a, he's a man, and I won't have that uh, said. But anyway, listen, thank you so much, George, for joining us on the show. And if we do this again, we'll make sure we get you. Just a word, one word from the north, just one word. And the word is... Um, Fantastic. That's brilliant there. And the word is um from the North, and that's the North's uh, take on Brexit so far. So thank you so much. Uh, So listen, we're going to take a short break to listen to more of my voice, uh, just in a different context. So you may not know this because, like most people, you've got no bloody clue who I am. But a long time ago, back in the the, the distant past of the day of Brexit, uh, we went down to Parliament Green and we recorded a show called Brexageddon. Uh, And in that show, uh, we made uh, a complete tits of ourselves. And I was playing a Conservative MP called James Twattington Burbage. And I decided to go uh, to Strasbourg and pretend to uh, uh, MEPs that I was, in fact, negotiating a deal for the Conservative Party. And let me tell you, the terrifying thing about this is I actually did a much, much better job job than the real Tory delegation. With the breakup between the UK and EU on the horizon, Tory James has been dispatched to the EU headquarters in Strasbourg in an attempt to ensure a smooth and painless separation. I'm sorry this is happening. Well, we can too. we can me still too. be friends. I hope we will be friends and just uh, incredibly awkward friends. Yeah. So um I just wanted to talk to you about the breakup. Uh-huh. You know, it's not you. It's it's me. Okay. Well, it's it's not actually I, it's not really me. It's just 17 million people who don't like you. Yes. Okay. I think a little I, bit. Listen, I come later. You can think about it, but yes. it's, it's happened already. Yes. We've broken up with you. Yes. Don't be clingy. Yes. You know what I mean? I mean just yes. know when enough's enough. Yes, I know. So what's the feeling in Berlin? The feeling in Berlin is very clear. You, you know. said unfortunately goodbye. Yeah. So out is out. There is no chance to have a correction. Hang on, it doesn't have to be nasty. You know, it can be a divorce, but we can still visit each other at weekends. We can have good relations, have but not here. And... You are a third country and nothing else in the future. You know, as an Englishman, I just want to say I'm sorry because I don't think we really thought about the Irish no, very much. Never, but you know what? As an English pe- person, and I'm sure not you particularly, yeah. but specifically, you never have. Right. That man was completely hollow. What, Boris Johnson? Yes. Uh, he, he's he, a bit hollow, but he's got a lovely yeah. face. It's a breakup, okay? So yeah. you, can, you can keep your DVDs, okay? And we'll share the dog, right? And then we can be part of the single market and you can keep the migrants, okay? I think you can control migration. We can, we can control yes, immigration. Yes, you can, but the, the price will be, will be enormous. Well, we'll have control of that. So we just want to make sure we're in the single market as well. Well, that's impossible. Well, come on, nothing's impossible. Mm. If you want. Right. The common come market, on. you have to share the common problem. So we have the common market, and you take the common problem. Come on, it's a deal. No. Come on. Go. No. No. This is the door. And there you have it. That was ge- generally the, uh, the, the genuine Conservative uh, Party policy, which I didn't realise. You take the common market and the common problem. Now, I'm very, very pleased uh, to welcome to the show uh, two people who know far more about politics than me. Uh, Joanna Romero is a journalist and who's made all sorts of content and used to work for Paul Mason. Welcome to the show, Joanna. Hello, 
great to be here, really. How are you feeling? All right? I feel a bit, uh, I don't know, like uh, tired of this whole thing, although definitely not into that tired that I'm happy to support this latest trickery yeah. from uh, our lovely Prime Minister. Uh, on a side note, I'm also a European citizen, so I've been dealing with this on a personal level basically every day for the last three years. Hang on a second. Is she from, is she from Europe? I am. Okay, well. Oh, dear. Did we? Did we come? Is that? Okay? Did you bring your passport? And no. Have you got your rights to remain? I, I, no, not I'm yet. joking. I'm joking. That's not even an issue yet. <laughs> I but, don't know. Actually, maybe this be. is like a drill, you know, be. like it training will. day. It, um, will, it will be, though. Yeah. Apparently. And apparently, just, just to say, which is also quality government, is you can actually only reply to remain uh, if you've got an Android phone. So if you've got an iPhone, you're fucked. This is true. Uh, there you go. Uh, now, also welcoming uh, to the show, uh, my friend who is literally on almost every single episode of my Spotify podcast we need to talk about. Uh, he's worked at WikiLeaks. He's used to work at BuzzFeed for The Guardian. He's written loads of books, even about pop songs. It's James Ball. How are we, James? I'm very tired and I just want to cry. Like, I think about two thirds of the country. <laughs> James, just stunningly upbeat as always, James. So, so seriously, James, as uh, someone um, who's got a vaguely northern accent, just speaking for all the people who voted leave, how do you think they're feeling today? Uh, I mean, I think genuinely everyone can actually reunite on just how sick of it all we are. Like, no one's getting what they want and no one thinks anyone's doing any good at it. So I do think maybe this is the thing that can heal the nation. We just all collectively just call everyone in Westminster a fucking tosser. So do you think do you, if we, do you think if we all called everyone a fucking tosser at once would it be some sort of strange sort of Benetton advert where everyone was would the whole country be holding hands? Would yeah, it be? I think it would go sort of straight from that to then you know like the like that Coca-Cola advert from the 70s right. you know Apparently we might get a royal yacht so I think it's going to be fun. apparently we're going to get a royal yacht I mean, and then that's going to be every, everything's fine. Look budget concerns we're going to get a canoe and put a fancy flag on it uh, listen mate i don't know what you're talking about i've i've traveled up and down this country and the one thing everyone has said to me time and time again pon village pon hill pon town is we need another royal yacht and i'm sure that you feel just as much as i do that it's a, it's a super important point i mean why the fuck are we talking about a royal yacht today where did that come from um <laughs> entirely because of the telegraph who just kind of started a campaign for it because they thought it would be some fun, cutesy, get their readers behind the issue. So their readers kind of don't seem to have given a fuck and kind of have gone, yeah, you know, there's this quite important thing that we care about, yeah. you idiots. Yeah. Uh, but everyone's gone nuts because of Brexit. Like, all the about, writers, um, all the journalists. Let's just quickly talk about the, the ways that the, uh, the press has covered it today and, and look back at, you know, the last two years and sort of how we got to this scenario. So, obviously, all three of us are rabid right-wing hacks. Traitors, uh, uh, really. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly, traitors. Um, uh, actually, how does it... Let's just get into that. How does it feel being a traitor? Do you, how does it feel different to what you were expecting? I, I love the label. I mean, I always wanted to be a rebel in, in some way or another. Mm. And uh, the fact that I now have, I mean, I'm already a foreigner, so right. that's already good. I'm already olive skinned, I mean, yeah. sort of tinged color. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, you know, have a funny tinge, mm. uh, to use a, a very popular <laughs> phrase now. Uh, and uh, so being also labeled a rebel or, sorry, a, a traitor yeah. uh, is, is just really what I was what I was hoping for. Well, for I'm, I'm a traitor with a Jewish surname and I haven't even got any good death threats yet. So I feel a bit left out. 
yeah. of kind of like the whole new sort of reality. Yeah, I've been getting your address wrong, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> is, Sorry. That, is that you who've been selling all like, that <laughs> yeah. ketamine? Oh, uh, right. Well, that was the ketamine we were going to actually supply to the independent group just to liven things up a bit. Uh, but we'll, we'll wait for that. Are we, are we really living in a world now, guys, where there are just two very distinct realities? Like, if you saw the papers on Sunday, it did appear basically in a couple of them that there had been the biggest march in British history and the rest that there wasn't a march at all. J- James, is that is that too dramatic? A, a, a I, sort of I think con- I think that is too dramatic because marches, that's weird because I'm never dramatic. Marches don't matter. The march kind of was irrelevant because the story the day after a march is everyone got home safe and had a lovely cup of tea and enjoyed the day and feel more fa- fine. The day James, after are you a march arguing for done. the People's Vote marchers to actually you know fuck shit up in Whitehall like the students did in 2010? Is this what we're arguing for? Hey. A much I'm more violent march. I'm, I'm not, definitely not up for being arguing a that. <laughs> like, you know what? Like, if you actually want some political change, do something that gets political change. Don't go on a nice walk. Like what? That's what called a think, hike. What do you think we could have done? Uh, I mean, ages ago, you could have hiked, could have done all sorts of stuff. If you care enough to do direct action, do some direct action. Right. But marching is kind of an irrelevance. It's it's a family day out, and I hope everyone had fun. But there were way fewer people than a million. There were probably fewer people in the Iraq one. There was only about and seven it, people then, wasn't when it? We seven, know, was it seven? Or? When we know 16 million people voted for it right. and four, four million signed a petition yeah. two weeks after the vote. Not like the new one. Four million people signed a petition then. It tells everyone nothing. It doesn't change a single thing for a, cha- a single person to walk around London. So I don't care that the media didn't cover it. The bigger problem is... Basically, those of us who are like hardcore remain liberal cucks, like you know me and you, I don't um, know what you're talking about. Tend mate. To I, everyone think, knows that I'm a lever. Tend to think that. that all leavers are poor, stupid idiots who got fooled by nasty Boris Johnson. And if only you explain that to them, they'll be very angry and be very grateful for us stopping their silly wrong vote. And leavers, quite rightly, think that that remain view is pretty bloody insulting. They knew what they were voting for. Thank you, the fuck much. They know that you don't want a second vote. You want to just stop the referendum. And so no one's actually trying to change each other's Mm. mind. We've just Mm. got half the country shouting at the other half. Yeah, I kind of feel like we're sort of uh, shouting at each other in sort of in our little eco chambers. And there's oh, just no... shut up! Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like it, it doesn't even feel cathartic anymore. Like at one point, I generally think we should all get into a room and just shot each other, but in a cathartic way, rather mm. than on Twitter, <laughs> in which you just get more and more aggravated. You just keep thinking that everyone is a freaking troll, yeah. uh, and not much comes from it. I, so but... I had a friend once who did. He, he had a breakup, and he he went to this therapist, and they got him to punch a pillow. Loads and said, "Look, this is your. This oh. is this is, your, is this, this one of my exes? Your, no, no. This is your. Um, actually, no. This no, James. It's not me. Okay, I would own that if I'd done that kind of psychotherapy, but I haven't. And do you know why? Because it's too expensive <laughs> uh, for no other reason. No, uh, you know they 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 did this thing where I think it was to to release some um, some repressed childhood trauma." And they told him it was there, and it's, it's a genuine thing. And the conversation got dark very quickly. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. But anyway, let's talk about something great. Let's talk about Brexit some more. So, what I'm really interested in is where we are going from here. Okay, because that's what that's <laughs> what the really million dollar question. Well, what do you think? Where do you think we're going? Uh, 
straight into the sea catch yourself <laughs> fuck off do the sea uh, yeah like I genuinely don't know uh, to be fair like I, I think in the last three years I have had different ideas and now is Brexit or non-Brexit Brexit day and I genuinely don't know where the fuck we're going mm. uh, certainly again like to bring a little bit of a different angle as a, as a Portuguese citizen a, a EU passport holder uh, I kind of would love to know so that I know what I'm doing next uh, with my life you know like uh, so yeah but I mean, James, do you have any ideas? Because if you do, like, please I think advise. anyone who says they've got an idea, you can actually safely rule as an idiot yeah. or, like, just way yeah. too overconfident. Like, no one, no one sensible knows. Like, we have quite a high chance of no deal. We have mm. maybe now quite a real chance of a the second only- vote. We've got a good chance of an election, long extension. Look, the only certainty is that you should start stockpiling. That's about it. Yeah. I've and done it. You know I did what? Joking. If I've you've done got it. some savings, genuinely move a little bit of it into euros yeah. that's not mad no 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 i don't think that's mad either at all do you think that we um, oh and if you've got if you've got prescription meds why not renew your prescription now yeah rather than like wait for sort of april the 15th like mm. genuine proper advice that mm. yeah 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 totally. i have two months of anti-anxiety meds and i'm very happy about that <laughs> and that's the that's just what you're using today <laughs> isn't it yeah i mean it is a strange thing though because we all remember uh, that wonderful moment when Nigel Farage uh, stood uh, in Parliament Square and announced our Independence Day hasn't quite happened as as quickly as he possibly would have liked. But there is something sort of um, there's a salient and, and sort of like de- difficult issue here, which is that the parliamentary process, whether you voted leave or you voted to remain, simply has not worked. And we are now in a position where we're sort of in uncharted territory which for any you know historian who may be listening is incredibly unusual in british politics isn't it i think personality matters here i think theresa may absolute lion's share of blame but actually a fair bit to jeremy corbyn um and as someone who actually doesn't want brexit to happen at all i should be grateful of it but i don't like the risk but those two parties got about 84 85 percent in the polls uh, they've got the overwhelming majority of seats and both leaders in their way were kind of hard to shift. And any normal circumstance, their Brexit manifesto positions were not that far apart. Mm. And they had an overwhelming majority to trigger Article 50. Once you trigger Article 50, we were going to end up with a blank check day like today. The political declaration, which is the bit Mays dropped, she's just trying to pass the exit deal now, that declaration was never binding. So it's a bit like going, hey, we've got this big, massive mortgage negotiation and I'll sign a piece of paper promising to sell you the washing machine for 100 quid. (laughs) And we've been arguing over that washing machine for 100 quid bit. They've taken that out and everyone today is acting like it's outrageous to only sign a blank check Brexit today. Because it kind of is. But Article 50 always would have made that happen. I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about the fact that, you know, those two parties had 80% of, of the vote share or the share of the vote because in in only in this country where you have, you know, first past the post kind of electoral system, would you find yourself in this bind? I, I would think, you know, anywhere else in, in Europe or in the continent um, where, where uh, the electoral process is different, you would have a, a bigger variety and, and therefore more opinions, uh, possibly a process that would be slightly more democratic and, and easier to follow. And, and who would have thought that the constitutional crisis that is basically what we're observing in the last, certainly in the last year, would be so fucking boring. Yeah. You know, like I, for ages, people 
people who, who observe politics, who, who like politics, have been crying for some sort of constitutional change in this country, certainly electoral reform. And yet here we are. And it's so fucking dull. But, I, I but like see. the key thing is, if May and Corbyn had, if May had approached Corbyn after the election and gone, I don't have a majority. This is a huge change that both our manifestos support. We should work together on it. Yeah, I agree. I think any two normal leaders would have thrashed out some, not to yeah. support each other in any other way. No, yeah, but there would be an interparliamentary... Or, in between yeah, the way sort of Labour's done its policy and way more on Theresa May. Yeah. They've just totally screwed it. Yeah, because, like, as you said, like, I mean, lion shirt of blame to Theresa May, who was so arrogant, she thought she could just pull it off by just basically tiring us all out, <laughs> including her own party. Well, we've got a final, a final go at the withdrawal bill today. Do you think there is any chance, James, that this can pass? Um, I think I saw someone collecting sweepstakes on Twitter, and out of 161 entries, only three thought it would pass. Mm. So, banter timeline now means it's got to go with a landslide <laughs> for the government. I was just about to say. That no. would be the good end to the sort of like last series I mean, of Britain. Box bear set, in mind, it? if we vote this down, we've then we are looking to MPs to try and pick from another list of imaginary options that we don't know whether we'll work or not on April the first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and two weeks today is the next Brexit deadline day. Woo! It is a kind of bizarre reality that we're living through, where you don't seem to have any kind of functional. Uh, government, You don't seem to have a media that has any sense of what is actually going to take place. It actually takes someone like Yanis Varoufakis to go on Newsnight ah. and actually sort of say some very, very salient points. Last night, did you see Did you see him on Question Time? I did. He was as awful as he always is. He was, he was as awful. I mean, I know you're a big fan of his shirts. And I mean, his, uh, he's so good at negotiating with the EU that he... Managed to get his deal rejected, end up having to pass an even worse deal, got kicked out of the governing coalition he was in, and everyone who was in it hates him. It's, uh, it's a, and then he's gone round to tell everyone else how they should negotiate <laughs> with the EU after his stunning I, success. I don't know if I if, like, like totally being agree given with a you. Charm class by Theresa May. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I have to say, like, I, I disagree with his strategy, certainly in, in negotiating for sure with the EU, but I would have say, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not James, that he certainly understands the European Union as an as a structure far better than anyone in this country did, certainly before Brexit happened, or otherwise we wouldn't find ourselves in this position now. Uh, because like he understands that the EU as a structure is there you know, united as you know, 27 countries, will actually like, you know, take on a battle, will prepare, and instead they're having like, if you think about a year ago, those pictures of, of uh, our ministers going into Brussels to negotiate with no paperwork whatsoever and the, and yeah. the Europeans would uh, would bring these enormous binds, obviously, of information and that's, like, I mean, that's a snapshot. James has got quite a good story about this, don't you? There was a, there was a sort of, uh, wasn't there a sort of a meeting between the, 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 the EU delegation because they thought that the British were actually oh, yeah, this playing a the sort of months, trick on them? Yeah, yeah they... Um, we had a really, really good rep in Brussels for getting our way. We were sort of the leader of a faction of smaller countries trying to slow down the closer union stuff. We'd played quite clever politics in there. And so they thought our early turning up, being completely clueless, arguing with ourselves, they had a genuine meeting to discuss whether it could be a ruse <laughs> and what clever real goal we were going for. Psychological games. They, yeah, yeah exactly. they really yeah. thought we were doing that. They, I mean, but that's just think again how much they thought of us. Though. But that, again, that, that so shows flattering. the sort of like way. It's so flattering. I think it, again shows like how Europe thinks of this. Like takes it really seriously. Is like super earnest. Prepares for like you know 
prepares for war almost. I don't mean to yeah. be like too uh, uh, hysterical here, but that's. I basically mean, personally, how I think I'm finding it. it a bit offensive because obviously you're a European, I know. and now really it's a bit like. I'm just of, saying, you guys are fucking idiots. Yeah, Sorry. Well, Bomb chance. The second can, exclusive can there. Uh, uh, for, for, <laughs> so after the first one of, of, of the view from the north, with hmm, uh, now we are all fucking idiots, according to the Portuguese. I really hope that starts uh, uh, trending. So let's talk about where we are going in terms of party political uh, situation because yeah I mean it does feel like both leaderships are in a lot of trouble now there was uh, a, a public uh, there was a, a an article in George Osborne's Evening Standard uh, mm. yesterday um, basically talking about the the huge 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 cleaving away that Jeremy Corbyn has had from his baseline support which was so many young people who were so hopeful of what was going to happen now I, I take it you're you're someone who who, who generally agrees with with Corbyn's sort of social democratic project is that yeah, fair to yeah, say? Yeah, no, it is fair to say. What, yeah. what, what do you think, uh, what sort of message do you think he sent to a lot of his kind of young sort of campaigners who've been out there and working for Momentum? And- uh, well, I, I think I know that uh, the younger, uh, this is actually like, I mean, as a journalist, I am quite interested in this from uh, a sort of analytical aspect as a, as a supporter of the project I find it a bit worrying that actually even the younger uh, sphere is kind of divided mm. between those who have now thought that or now think that you know okay let's go for Brexit get some sort of soft Brexit that's fine any other uh, effort particularly about the, the people's vote march that happened um, on Saturday uh, is a sort of you know it's ridiculous liberal intelligentsia having a field day which you know James was criticising in terms of strategy I, I have to agree I mean it was interesting to go there and I think we should take stock of what happened but in any case it's not going to change much uh, but their, their critique is simply like you know all out for Jeremy Corbyn he's brilliant and then there's a big chunk of people in Momentum who actually are obviously Remainers who who are very worried about the consequences or as you say like younger generation um, and, and the fact that there's already a division between people of a certain age is very disconcerting mm. I would have said even if interesting from a sort of journalistic point of view the weird party political thing is both of the main parties will be fine if we leave um like people are looking at the new centrist party cuck uh change uk mm. uh did they ask it's going it? to be difficult for the petition site that isn't did it they, they change.co.uk and just change uk did they ask a single millennial before calling themselves cuck i mean honestly i i'm they, i don't know what you're implying here james what what, what sort of what what does it make you think when you're hearing that what, what's what's coming to mind for some reason it just makes you think of people who might be the sort of butt of a joke i mean as someone noted um if they ever won a seat which does seem unlikely it would come up on the bbc boards as cut cold yeah cut cut has held the seat yeah, yeah. um which I, i'm sure they'd be thrilled to see on monitors across the nation if ed balls actually joined the, the party i'm not going to to mock anyone with that fine name cock and balls (laughs) I mean to be fair what we need most more of in Brexit Britain is cuckolds to be fair I thought really what we needed more of in Brexit Britain was racists I thought that would be um, a really good way to sort of improve uh, uh, to be fair a lot of them are probably cuckolds in a quite serious way is it possible that the biggest winner today of all political factions and I do despise calling him part of a political faction is Tommy Robinson it's Yes. Essentially, if we actually leave, Labour Remainers are not going to swing to 
Cock or to the Lib Dems or to anyone else, they will I rally mean, back really behind. Good not Corbyn. on a live radio show to say that a Labour MP is swinging to, to, to Cock. <laughs> I don't think that's a particularly it's, wise. I, I don't really want a lawsuit on my first. I actually sort of said Labour supporters. Well, so I'm glad you did because, because you know, of that generalisation. I think we're fine under on-air defamation law, um, but. I don't think you'd see Labour voters move away. You wouldn't see Tory voters move, even if it's not their kind of Brexit. Mm. If we do stop Brexit, you will see big breakaways from Labour and the Tories, maybe in the MPs, definitely in the voters, that will help the far right. Mm. Mm. That's not necessarily a reason not to stop Brexit. Just we've got to be so, so on it and so careful. Which is and what like we haven't done gloating, for three years. Not, and I don't trust the people who've run People's Vote or a lot of the people in Revoke to actually want to do anything. We've had three years of Leave voters kind of going, oh, you lost, get over it, all that nonsense. And I think a lot of Remain voters and a lot of the people running Remain campaigns have got just as nasty and vindictive as well. Did you hear that Alistair Campbell said that he, he wouldn't actually uh, come on the march unless it was a day when the Premier League wasn't playing? <laughs> that's, that's the sort of priority that, that is important to say. But, from a but I do defense. think if, if we managed to stop Brexit and then acted like the Leavers did when they won, we could get some really nasty politics. One of the uh, uh, emails that has... So, sorry, one of the tweets that Anna Subri has put in um, is about the idea that a lot of the hardcore Brexiteers who obviously said uh, all sorts of things, as many Emily... Emily Emily Maitlis, uh, or now as she's called, uh, the people's hero, Emily Maitlis, for, for side-eye. That's literally all it takes now. Become a gif and you're a national treasure. Um, as she said when she was speaking to Jacob Rees-Mogg, who'd, who'd said that the deal would enslave us, uh, Anna Subri has tweeted saying that Dominic Rabb and Ian Duncan Smith, if they have a right to change their minds on Brexit, uh, oh. but they afford, uh, uh, refuse to afford British people the same right. Is that becoming... As tired a soundbite as every time you've ever heard a Tory MP say, 80% of us were voted in on a leave ticket. So what, what I would say to Anna Subri is MPs get to vote eight times a day on issues. How can we only get to vote for MPs once every five years? I want a general election eight times a day on her logic. And yeah. if she doesn't do that... She hates democracy. One of the strangest things, I think, about the, the new political Make a formation. stupid argument and it blows up on you too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, well, this has nothing to do with Bono. Okay, for a change. <laughs> it has absolutely nothing it's to like... do with Bono at all. But there is a, there is a sort of big uh, uh, change that's taken place where, you know, you have people who were from diametrically opposed political views... Well, I mean, I say diametrically opposed. They're both relatively free market. But, you know, Anna Subri, who was so vehemently sort of pro the austerity programme, people like Luciana Berger, who, who really, really, really sort of pushed against it. And yet now none of it seems to matter. None of it really is important because our politics has kind of been rewritten. Do you think that this is just this can continue, or do you think there will be some great reckoning where God. people actually want to know about the voter records, or is it the case that genuinely, at a time where things have become so utterly hysterical, that just speaking in a sort of well-formulated, seemingly semi-rational way is is just so 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 wonderful to voters that they don't really care what you did before? No. No, it can't. I mean, I, it just cannot be. As as a, a See, the fact even that you're saying it like that means I think it probably will be. Oh God! You know, I think because it's that is the world that we live in. Said. I think there are 200 seats in the UK where if you whack a red rosette on a pig, it will get elected. 
and about 210 where if you whack a red rose out on a pig it too will get elected like any any warm body with the right party name on it will get in it's good that you've brought up pigs and, and pig fucking <laughs> before we talked about David uh, Cameron there you go um, you know who did not have Seamless. sex with a pig at any point uh, that's obviously true because that's just what happened in Black Mirror mm. and he didn't nothing inhale. to do with, with David Cameron at all um, James do you think that really this is his fault or is it more sort of Ed Miliband's fault for stabbing his brother in the back and never giving us a second go at Blairite's sort of government it's uh, I, I did realise the other day if only, if whichever aide bought Ed Miliband a bacon sandwich that morning hadn't done it, uh, we might have had it all differently. But no, obviously it's David Cameron's fault. PP is Italian. I think I genuinely don't think that having had any other labor leader would have made much of a difference, whether they had been uh, more at, at that point, that is like more to the sort of Blairite flavor or the sort of, you know, I mean, calling Red Ed. I, I do like Ed Miliband, but I mean, he's not Lenin, is he? So I quite, quite like so, Ed Miliband. Yeah, he's, would, he was very likable. He was, I mean, but, I think but, it but, was but he was he not he was not going to change like people were. I mean, like if Brexit was anything was an yeah. indicator that people wanted it change from the status quo from politics as usual and nobody was offering that actually one question for except you. for david cameron i, I like sassy ed miliband post being leader yeah so do i especially the be beard oh my god on, yes hot. oh yeah it was on but when he was leader he was like on message ex special advisor trying to be like rugged leader yeah. of nation it would rubbish do you think if ed had just been ed like Corbyn can't be anyone else, really, like, mm, when he's mm, on mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think if he'd just been a bit more authentic, we might have not gone I, through I'll tell you this. what, if we had sort of, like, sassy serving some tea uh, kind of Ed Miliband, plus Ed Ball's, like, dancing <laughs> yeah. at the same time in Parliament, maybe that, that would have changed have things. It. Listen, let's just talk about the things uh, that we haven't been talking about as a nation for the last two years that hopefully we will start spending some time discussing in the near never what do you think are the biggest social issues that we've kind of been missing and as a result of that haven't actually had you know much of a chance to sort of you know change the country at all time do you have? Uh, council cuts benefits freeze i mean benefits housing. freeze and the universal mm. credit change still massive issues housing we've ignored for so much longer than brexit it's just a continuation of ignoring it yeah. uh Social credit benefit freeze, council budgets, because mm. like social, like social services and social care, are screwed. The NHS could be worse. Actually, they've had just enough yeah. money to stay right at the edge of crisis. Mm. But, but again, that's because but, it is such a big thing yeah. that they couldn't, they could, they weren't allowed to actually like, like take school that budgets. Actually, are creaking. School budgets are really tricky. Do you think it's fascinating though, isn't it, that at the exact same time that this is taking place, you know, you get this girl, you know, Greta Thunberg, one child who stands up and decides to actually start, you know, campaigning outside the Swedish Parliament. So it goes viral. Suddenly, you have these children everywhere, all around the world, over two thousand locations on the last, you know, schools uh, protest. Who do who seem completely at odds with the sort of rationale and the status quo, and this is a generation that's coming up that seemingly is more radical, is more informed about issues that have ever taken place. Do you think the environment will ever become a sort of vote winning? topic in uh, our lifetime absolutely i mean i'm sure james will agree with this it will be the main topic whenever the next general election comes and certainly if it's post brexit whatever that means to be fair at this point <laughs> if the, there will never be a post brexit this is forever now this um but you know like whatever happens the next general election the environment will be certainly if not top 
second most important topic. I don't, I don't think it'll be anywhere near the top I don't of think it will be that quickly. I would love it to be. Yeah, mm. I, I wish it were. I think... I, I completely agree, except on time frame, and I think it'll take until it's too late. Here's my. I here's think my, 25, 30 years, and when we're minimising the damage. I'm going to have a little. Oh, I, 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 I've always liked this. I'm so oh, sorry. James, this is James on a good day. Seriously, you <laughs> caught him on a good day. Usually yeah, we, we bring him up. Anxiety meds you can pass over, you know. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's literally drug dealing going on in the studio, allegedly. I can't actually see behind the, the banks of computers. But okay, so for me, one of the frustrations that I have with Corbyn right now is that you know you have. Have this huge, huge policy platform where you could, you had the ability to potentially look for a fully funded NHS. My mum's diabetic; it's a big issue for me. Uh, a fully funded NHS. Um, you know, they've also saved my life on a couple of occasions. Uh, you know, a well-funded police service, but social care actually being made a priority, and this huge, huge, huge opportunity that the environment, uh, the environmental crisis actually presents to actually renew the, the deindustrialized areas with actually business that actually could actually create a huge amount of jobs and obviously you're not going to reskill workers which is exactly what you were just about. are you t- you're going to sort of come no, in on, I mean, on this I mean weirdly this this, was, this is actually one of the areas Labour's 2017 manifesto we're not agree, are we? wasn't the amazing thing that people made out it literally left out ending or reversing the benefits freeze one of the bits that was well worked out was a green investment plan uh, use the capital budget it's exactly the kind of manufacturing we're still good at we're actually a leader in offshore wind and onshore wind. Because this is high tech, like, right? This, this, this is, is sort of good high jobs. tech manufacturing. And it's also stuff that you could move out of the existing energy sector. Yeah. We've got really good skilled engineer and advisors. You could actually use some of the aerospace stuff that we'd want to do less of One of the, to do turbines yeah, yeah, yeah. for wind and water. Labour actually were going to put quite a lot of money into it. And if they'd have done it right, that actually had real potential. It was one of their good policies. Yeah. And, I, and I, you know, it's not true that they haven't done anything. I mean, John McDonnell is calling for action on Barclays tomorrow, which is not exactly. One of the things that um, uh, we want to sort of talk about before uh, we, we lose you guys um, is the the sort of dangers potentially, as sort of trumpeted by uh, those on the right, um, of um, of a second referendum. Um, it's uh, it's also I'm now seeing breaking <laughs> right now. The MPs have rejected by 344 votes to 286 Theresa May's withdrawal bill. So that's uh, so that's not third. Does that prove that third time lucky is just a load of shit? This wasn't the same bill as the first two. Alberto wouldn't have let it back. This yeah. was just the exit bit, which actually anyone who wants to leave likes this bit, really, uh, unless they're a whole no, no dealer. It's just they don't trust anyone to handle the second phase. But that's kind of Rightly. a... It's, it's a bizarre also, reality, like, isn't Theresa it? Theresa May now said that she won't be in charge of the second phase, so... I don't think she could be for this, because this isn't her uh, right. deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so look, we've just had the withdrawal God. bill rejected again. As I understand it, on the 12th of April, we will just leave. Now, James, you were the first person, actually, to tell me that withdrawal agreement... Uh, sorry, that the Article 50 was a ticking time bomb. Tell me what could happen on the 12th of April. Like, will there be... A, could could they just apply to the European Council for another extension? Are there other sort of, like, so quite difficult the processes European for us Council to go through? is going to have an emergency summit for us to discuss an extension if we ask for one. We have to decide to ask for one first. They are... They are really, really divided on this. All 27 capitals have to agree. And basically, they don't just want to give us another two weeks to faff. They say, if we extend, we've got to do EU elections, and so we may as well just make it to the end of the year, pay up till then, 
but that doesn't mean they want to get back into it all. They want a reason for the, for an extension. Do you think they give that a, doesn't involve negotiating with them at all? Do you think anymore? if I personally said I would run as an MEP, that would sort of be enough for like at least sixteen of the nations? I think that would probably yeah, get it with the extension do gone. What do you think? What sort of party do you think I should run for? It's. I mean, let's all, talk about my all I can say is brainstorm my options. Okay. Macron really hates you, so okay, you well, may yeah. as well just you. It was just that he was just a little bitch at that party. <laughs> I told him in Paris, it's not. It's no big deal. Okay, Tell so let's talk about. I know. Uh, let's talk about. The parties that you could run for as an MEP uh, in the short term. So, what, what, how would, how would, I guess, you know, change.co.uk, the, uh, the <laughs> formerly uh, uh, petition website that has now turned into a political party with Chuck Ramuna right at the front of it. Uh, I guess they'll but be not running. The leader. They'll be, but they'll be, no, it's Heidi Allen, isn't it? Well, it's fine with Heidi Allen because she just went to some food banks after voting against them for ages. So, I mean, pretending they didn't exist, which is fine. I think that's, I think, I mean, I'm happy about that. Are you happy about that? It sounds like a legit party. It sounds like a legit party to all of us. So, uh, we imagine they would probably run candidates. No doubt Tommy Robinson's UKIP would run some candidates. Maybe we can even get Tommy Robinson into, into, as out as an he, MEP. He suggested he wants to. Oh, that'd be fantastic, And I think it? he's eligible. Yeah, I, I, I think, think so. I think he is because he's now something to do with his legal... Oh, he, might have, he might have dual citizenship, but a convicted criminal can run if they're out of their sentence. But I thought he was still oh, he's on license. Some, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and well, listen, guys. Um, we are we uh, thank you so much for your uh, incisive and uh, honestly devastating um, analysis of today. Uh, just just one word on today, James. One word. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. One word. And one word for you, Jane. Poo emoji. Poo emoji. Well, that's two <laughs> words. Well, listen, thank you so much uh, uh, for, 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 for coming on. I'm now going to uh, speak to um, uh, a man uh, who is one of the, the Remainers in Chief, no less. A man, uh, uh, a Lord, no less, who worked, um, you know, who's worked cross party and has, has told me a number of times that he's almost gone to 150 meetings up and down the country where he thinks he has tra- the, uh, 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 captured the public mood live and direct from Newcastle, no less. I welcome to the show Lord Andrew Adonis. Andrew, how are you? Hi. Hi, great to be with you. I've just heard the result as well. Yeah, shocking is, uh, there, shocking. Yeah, very good news for those of us who don't want Brexit, because her, de- her deal is now as dead as the dodo. I mean, she's tried it three times. She's now used the rack, the thumb screws, everything, and she still can't get uh, it close to the line. Uh, and she's a- absolutely up against it. And now, because uh, we're not going to leave without a deal, of course, she's got to apply for a long extension. So we're in the death throes of Brexit. And I think now she's got nowhere to go but uh, to ditch her deal, long extension of negotiations, which means in practice, the only thing we can do is a referendum. So uh, it's quite an important moment, what's just happened in, in Parliament. So Andrew, where do you think, um, where do you think we go from here now? Well, she will have to apply for a long extension because she can't get her deal through. And if she can't get her deal through, then otherwise we'd crash out. And Parliament's already said it's not prepared to crash out because that would mean people's jobs and livelihoods in jeopardy. You know, the airport's not working, the port's not working, six weeks of medical supplies and so on. So having applied for a long extension, we have to then find a way of resolving Brexit. And since her deal's off the table and there isn't an alternative deal that could realistically be done, I think it's now only a matter of time before we get to a referendum. And I expect the referendum will probably be held in the autumn and then we'll get a straight choice to end Brexit, which okay. I think is the right thing for the country now. Andrew, how would you respond to the um, many people who've said that there are a lot, of, a lot of real dangers of an even more divisive campaign if uh, a second referendum were held? 
Well, look, we're in, in the realm of lesser evils. I, I never wanted a referendum three years ago, but we had it, and then it proved, Brexit proved to be unviable, which is basically what's happened. It can't be done without massive self-harm, you know, people's jobs at, at stake, uh, the economy not functioning properly, and so on, which is the reason why Parliament has, has been unable to agree to a Brexit deal. So we've got to resolve this, otherwise we go off the edge of a cliff. We obviously need to do so democratically. We need to do so in, in the light of our traditions of fair play, listening to people properly, uh, being considerate, and so on. Uh, but we have got to reach a decision, and we can't keep delaying it because people's jobs and businesses are at stake. Okay, let's just imagine and that we I actually think that's why we've got to have a let's imagine that we did actually go off the edge of a cliff in a car, and we had to make a final decision about what track you would like to play in that car. You can choose anything from the sort of recent noughties or anything like that. What tune do you think would be most appropriate? Oh, well, I'm afraid I'd be um, uh, myself uh, wanting Beethoven's Ninth and the Ode to Joy. So at least I could I could think of some great uplifting European theme. Andrew, that's literally the <laughs> most metropolitan elitist uh, uh, answer you possibly could have given. I know, that is absolutely I know. shock. But, I mean, literally two people who voted Leave just punched themselves in the face listening to this in Hull <laughs> as a result of that. No, but quite seriously, again. So you know, we have 17.4 million people who voted to leave the UK. I was outside uh, Parliament yesterday. Whether they were being paid by Vote Leave to be there or not, I have no idea. But there were some extremely frustrated, animated people who were all white. And uh, what I saw again and again was a sort of an argument that was going on where there was just this complete lack of anything other than outrage that they had voted for one thing and it had not taken place. What would you say to those people today? What, do, what, what sort of sense of, of, of parliamentary democracy, what, what's the point of it if they're not getting what they voted for? Well, the, the, they'll have a say too. If we have a referendum, which I think is going to be the only way out of this, you know, with, with Theresa May's deal on the table but the option to, to remain... Uh, or indeed some hard Brexit, if, that, if that's the third option on the ballot too, they'll have a vote the same as ever, everyone else. So uh, this is about democracy. It's not about subverting democracy. The reason, though, we've got to have a referendum is it hasn't proved viable to produce a Brexit that works. It's not, it's not a case that there was a proposal on the table three years ago which then Parliament failed to implement. The reason we're in this mess is because there was no proposal on the table three years ago. All there was were, were four words on the ballot paper, leave the European Union. The government then had to negotiate a Brexit deal. Now, Nigel Farage and some of the people who are in Parliament Square today say that Theresa May did a very bad job of negotiating it. That may be the case. I, 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 my own view is that Brexit of any kind is going to be almost impossible to do. But we are where we are. We don't have a Brexit that can work. We're faced with people's jobs and livelihoods at stake. And I think the right thing to do is to give the British people at large a vote on where we are now, including, of course, all those people who still want Brexit and think it can be done better, they get a vote too. They can vote to carry on and try and find some kind of Brexit that works. I think, I think but my own view is the majority now realise that the game is up. I think what, you know, irrespective of, of uh, you know, the majority of voters, and I think it's so, so important that we distinguish here between those that decided to vote leave and those who ran 
the vote leave campaign, whether it was, uh, you know, any any sort of part of it. Uh, my personal feeling is that those who promoted Brexit, who paid huge amounts of money to promote Brexit. Now, we don't know for sure. Uh, you know, this the Serious Crimes Office, I believe, is still uh, uh, investigating where Aaron Banks um, uh, is 11 million that went into the referendum campaign, if it actually came from him or whether there's a possibility that it was actually funneled through a foreign power through a Swedish shell company uh, my feeling is that ultimately you had a group of people who wanted to burn regulation who wanted to enable rich white men to get richer and to enable essentially a deregulated tax haven britain is that your view i agree with all of that and i completely agree with you that you need to separate out people who voted for brexit who, who did so in good faith I never, ever questioned the judgment of the voters because they were voting on the basis of what was put before them with the motivation of some of the Brexiters. And the motivation of the Brexiters, I think, in many cases, was malign. These were people with huge, uh, you know, funds and hedge funds and all that stashed abroad who want to dismantle regulation and any uh, European involvement uh, in, in our affairs because they think that they're going to make a killing out of it. But they were busy telling... Uh, the, the ordinary punters, that this was about taking back control and giving money to the NHS. Well, we know that that was a lie because there is no extra money for the NHS. I mean, that's been the big thing exposed over the last three years, is that instead of the £350 million a week, which was supposed to be for the NHS on the side of that bus, Theresa May's had to agree a £39 billion deal that we have to give to the European Union. So I completely agree with you. People were sold a lie three years ago. It's not their fault that they were sold the lie. It was it's the job of the media to see that this was exposed, but we can't let it happen a second time. Finally, Andrew, how do you think, uh, given the huge schisms that we're now experiencing in this country, you know, from huge rises in, in, in hate crimes, uh, you know, the very real uh, uh, terrifying prospect of, of MPs facing death threats, a parliament that has not, you know, really recovered in, in any way its sort of sanity or seemingly its confidence to move forward. How do we unite the country now? Well, we've got to, to end the Brexit nightmare. That's my view. We can't uh, unite until we get to the right place. We don't unite by allowing, you know, you don't unite by holding together, going off the edge of a cliff. So we've got to end it. But having ended it, we've then got to get real about de- dealing with the social pressures. I'm speaking to you from Newcastle. The North East hasn't done well out of the last 10 years. Real wages 10% below where they were, a real sense of, of uh, alienation and austerity. So we've got to deal with that. We've got to invest in our public services, offer a better deal for young people, particularly those who don't go to university, see the NHS is properly funded, deal with homelessness, build homes, all those sorts of things. Those are really important. So we need to end Brexit, but get real about changing Britain. Okay, one last word from Newcastle, uh, Andrew. One last word. Uh, we can definitely end this. Okay, that, there you go. That's many words, but we'll take that. So it just leaves it for me to thank uh, my guests, Lord Andrew Adonis, who is absolutely fantastic, and Newcastle. Basically, doesn't sound like any Geordie I've ever met, but Lord Andrew Adonis is absolutely fantastic. George Isler, uh, uh, Joanna, uh, 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 sorry, uh, Joanna Romero. God, dyslexics. It's a real pain in the ass. Uh, uh, and James Ball. My name is Jolyon Rubinstein. You can catch me uh, on my Spotify show. Uh, we need to talk about. Which you can find it on Spotify or on Twitter 
at Jolly and Rubes. Thank you so much for having me, Fubar. And I leave you with a message from Donald Tusk, who's just tweeted saying, in view of the rejection of the withdrawal agreement, the House of Commons, I've decided to call a European Council on the 10th of April. So everything will be fine, right? It'll be fine! You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.